Warning, the content in this podcast contains some explicit language which may be offensive to some listeners and may be inappropriate for children. Therefore, the content in this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So, would you fall in love with hip-hop? Right here, what we're going to do is go back. trying so um so how this kind of goes is we ask a question 
and then we'll go from the question and kind of flow into how things are going your way and then your brand and things like that. Um, so I wanted to ask the question with everything going on, um, the raid on the Capitol, white supremacy and anti-government on the uprise with all the reports of the upcoming protests, there's supposed to be like different protests all over the um, nation starting tomorrow, I think. Yeah. Like they're shutting down all the state capitals and things like that. What advice would you give to blacks to encourage them and to help them deal with the anxiety they may be feeling in this moment? That's a very good question. Uh, but because I'm spiritual, I will definitely just go to the reference that you definitely need to go to God, you know, because it can be stressful. Uh, anxiety level, I mean, it seems strange. We are in strange times, but at the same time, we have to remember that this, this racism and all of these um, arrests that we're seeing going on, it's never, um, it's not new, you know, but it's coming out and being revealed. But we should be looking for ways how do we address this in a relevant way that we're um, facing it without adding hostility to it, but being able to add our voice that it's known in a proper way. Um, because I think this is a wonderful time that we're able to be that generation, you know, the millennials, to be able to have our voice out there. So during this time, I would definitely say be safe. Don't add to the fire. That is definitely not what you want to do. And just, um, like I said, just seek for God for that guidance. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, I know some people are really afraid, um, you'll get that calmness that you need for sure. Yeah, yeah um, I can only imagine how traumatizing and triggering this could be to just, like, I mean, I'm not a person who lost a family member to police brutality or to um, any kind of protest or things like that. But to be kind of watching that, um, oh, yeah. I can imagine how triggering that could be that you're watching all of this go on. And it's almost kind of like a, um, like it's being justified or like you have to almost kind of point out that it's okay for one group to do it and the other group there's like extreme um, there's an extremity that happens when they do. So if you protest, even if it's a silent protest, there have been people killed at silent protests or beat up yeah. at silent protests or things like that. So if you're somebody who's been out protesting and, and utilizing your voice before this, you, maybe you were doing it over the summer or whatever, and you kind of watched how it was handled and things were done then, and then you come to this and you're watching it and how it's handled now, you have no choice but to say there's a difference in how... Um, people of color are treated versus how people, how white people are treated. So um, that's why I wanted to ask, like, so how do you deal with that? Like, how do you cope with that and not feel upset or not be anxious or have anxiety about, like, what's going to happen going forward? Because I do feel like the next few weeks are going to be probably worse than what we saw a couple, about a week ago. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, and I, w I would just add to that. I wouldn't even say losing somebody is traumatizing for just a person who lost somebody to police brutality. It's just traumatizing in general just to see how we're treated so differently, how, how you're actually seeing. Like like you said, if we were to even step on a step, we would all be shot down. But to see people climbing walls, getting help downstairs, and, you know, just different things like it, that, it just, it's exposing it, like she oh, said. Yeah. I mean, it's always been there, but it's just exposing it, and it's, like, right in front of our eyes. And, like, Yesterday, I had on, I was uh, at this restaurant, and I had on uh, my sweatshirt, um, Black Women Are Dope, and I had my mask on, Black Women Are Dope, and this white man gave me, like, the worst look, 
I mean, I just felt it. Like, it's just cut out through me, and I forgot that I even had the stuff on. But it's just, I just feel like at the time that we're living in right now, we're just dealing with so much, so much hate, so much racism. And just to add to it, probably, I think, encouragement. I mean, I think if, you know, outside of prayer and everything else, I mean, everybody coming together at this point, it's, it seems like, you know, we're coming, like, where we can get closer. But just encouraging each other. You know what I'm saying? And being able to sometimes, because I, I can see, especially working from home, I, I can see the fact where you would try to, I would, you know how you go back into an office, it would be different. It's like changing because you haven't been around people, and I, I can't even, I don't know, y'all. I be I struggle with it because I'm like, I, I wonder because, you know, I, I can deal with some anxiety, but I wonder if I would have anxiety going back into the office and being around people because it's going to be a totally different scene when I've just been just me, you know. When I go in there and I go to work, you know, I close my door off to work. You know, the kids know not to come in there. You know what I'm saying? I'm in my own little space. You know, I, I just think that anxiety will come along with a lot, you know, going back to work, everything. The kids, school, you know, so I don't know. I, I think it's really different. But I think, you know, as far as encouraging each other, it would be good. I, I don't think that we should try to, I, I don't know. Because I've been seeing stuff like this ain't our fight, like to mind your business. Like, how do you feel about that? Um, part is not our fight just the whole like everything that's going on right now like the whole uh, protest like at the capitol uh, just like that whole thing they're like I mean I've just been seeing posts like mind your business that part is not our fight Um, I think that speaks to why they're fighting um, or why they're protesting or maybe like maybe people are saying you know it's not genuinely something that really concerns the black community um, that has anything to do with the black community. Maybe they're saying, like, stay out of it in that space. Um, I don't know, because I don't really know how, like, I, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah, I, I literally watched it, and I, I struggle. <laughs> like, and, and like I, I've said to you guys, my biggest struggle wasn't, just it was the people crawling all over the walls it was the people just literally walking through it was the people walking through that couldn't walk through so for me i just it 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 not only pointed out racism which you know you guys know i'm very aware of racism but it pointed out privilege to another level like to a like supreme level <laughs> so like it was just kind of like we couldn't dare and not with government officials in buildings. Or, I mean, you couldn't even step on the steps. Right. And, and I'm going to tell you what bothered me the most was uh, when I watched TV, and they tried to compare it to the protest, when that's two totally different things. Like, we're protesting because we're getting done down by police officers and we're not doing anything. You all are protesting because you're mad over the president of the United States. That's not the same. And so that, that part has been pissing me off, the whole comparison, and it doesn't, it doesn't compare to me at all. And then the whole say her name, you violated and went into the Capitol. Say your name for what? Did y'all see that? Say her name? The lady yeah, her name. it's like a mockery of everything that we've done, everything that we've built. I don't know. Like I said, for me, I, I think this has been something that for me, I've, I've watched, I've seen, I've observed, I've spoken to, I've said, like, you know, this exists. But to, like, literally see it in your face, 
And it'd be like, that's the privilege right there. That's exactly why we keep saying, like, Tim, we're just literally asking to live. Um, we're asking that we, we're not asking you to gun them down. We're not asking you to shoot them. We're not asking you to punish them harshly. What we're asking is that you take, you look at our lives and you say that our lives are just as valuable as their lives are. Um, and so I think it's hard just as a woman of color with children of color, knowing that now it, there is a, there's a lot, there's a divided line. Like there is a line that's prevalent that exists that we have to just address and live in or either live with and continue to speak to. So, what are your thoughts, Regina? Actually, I, I, okay, so I do agree with everything that you ladies said. But also, I don't know, I see a difference, too, because, yeah, I agree. You can't ignore that that privilege is there. But what I saw that day, which was horrible, I mean, it was horrific. But what I also saw that day was it was like there was a light in their face that they saw how far their privilege was taking them. Because, like, that week, a lot of my friends, they're Caucasian. It's great. They, I got a lot of calls, got a lot of different texts. They're ashamed. But in at the same time, they're trying to cover up, like, oh, I'm reading a book. You know, what type of book? It's an African-American-inspired book. So, like, in some ways, they're calling themselves trying to get a healing over what is out there. But in a lot of ways, we, the America, what we're going through, is, like, this room is festering, and you can't heal it. So what we're seeing, this is how I see it. I see that it's, just, it's opening up in a way that we're going to have to dress it. I love what Mika said. We are going to have to encourage it. Would it be hard? Yeah, we're going to use different languages. But they got to, I don't want to like say they, but I'm just going to say that people got to see themselves in a different way. That they was used to saying, it's okay to have privilege, but um, as long as I don't get called out, but you don't see it. But it was open worldwide. A lot of people saw it. Um, like my sister, her friend, she talked to her last Sunday in South Africa, and she was like, whoa, America, you know, we was watching that. That, that was bizarre. And that right there, they do not like when that spotlight, that spotlight is on an issue that's been hurting and it needs to be healed. And I think that's a good way. Either we uh, would just say, oh, it's okay, we just see it, or we need to actually just address it, but we need to address it in the right way. I don't think we need to do it in a way that we point our finger or we feel like we're bitter. We need to do it smart, just like MLK. He said that, you know, you have to do it not with bitterness. You got to do it with kindness. And you got to be strategic. So um, that's my kind of input on that. But I really believe that it really showed them in a way that they are not proud of. I mean, they knew it was there, but they did not want you to see it. Just like your slip. You don't want them to see the slip. It's there, but you don't want them to see it. And everyone sees it. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I think a lot of people were embarrassed by it. Yeah. I do. Definitely. I do. How I mean, you, would, would you be embarrassed? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of like, wait, what? Like, we're doing this. And I, 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 my other concern is that we have opened up um, America to be very vulnerable now to other nations who now see that um, there are ways to not only, like, that there are groups of people who want to overturn, like, our, our government who, and who are allowed. You know what I'm saying? So if you're a group of people who decided, listen, I want to go and bomb America. Like, now you have a group of people who you now can say, okay, well, I can probably do it to them, or I can probably, you 
utilize that group or I could probably infiltrate that group and get into whatever I need to get into. And I, that that's embarrassing. That's scary to me, too, because it's like, what did we expose to the world? For me, it, it actually exposed, yes, that we're vulnerable, but to me, it, it exposed separation, that we're not as one in the United States. It just, to me, it shows how divided we are. That's what, to me, that's what it shows to the other nations. As far I, I mean, I, I don't just watching it because, and I probably I didn't watch it like all I was. I, I just thought it was so with everything going on. I don't know. It, it was everything. It just makes it disruptive. You know what I'm saying? Where you don't want to even watch TV no more. You get to a certain point when when I got the text message that it was going on. You know how you just get you like what else? You know, I, I'm just I'm so like over it like i i mean and i know you can't you know but i am so like over it i'm just like it's, it's just too much going on and i mean and when you watch it it's just like you know and you sit down and have your kids because you want your kids to see it too right like look at this like look at like actually look and see what's going on in this world like it's crazy girls so I, I, when i seen it i mean it's i mean i can see where it's definitely embarrassing you know, it's like watching a um, temper tantrum in the middle of Target with the kids that's kicking and screaming at their parents. And everybody is like trying really hard not to watch, but it keeps escalating even more and escalating even more and escalating even more. And your kids is looking like, ooh, you ain't got my mama. Okay. that you always see of a wanderer. 
I'd like to dab in a lot of different things, but even though I'm a wanderer, it's just interesting though how, you know, all of all of us, like we're here as these beautiful women, we have a specific past. We may not always know where we're headed, but be like, I know where I can feel it, um, but you always land where you need to be. And that's what happened with me. I land where I need to be. It was in that education. I when I was a teacher, that was my training. It was God was using that as my training to um, go into the writing industry so that's exactly what happened it wasn't planned um it started from journaling and from there that's that's how it all began yeah okay i know a lot of people have been like written via like from like people's journals like where people were journaling and then the journal turns into a book so would you say like that was an easier way that they help with writing the book because a lot of people experience like writer's block but if you already have like the journal um, part of it, you kind of have some of it already written down. You can kind of re-explain like um, what that meant, what that was. So did you like utilize your journal as a part of writing the book, or did it just kind of? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. um, sorry for cutting you up, but um, yeah, you can definitely use that as a reference. But like with a book, I really feel like um, I feel like it's kind of like with a book, it's like a roller coaster ride because you can. Well, even though like I have my journal, it's or journals, it still can be, you don't know where it's going to lead or how it's going to go because like there's emotions, you know, um, for this book, there was like a place of my pain, you know, as a pain hurts there for me to grow and you have to rehash that, you know, you have to go and visit and sometimes like how much is too resilient or how much is not. Um, so it just depends, I believe, on that person and how they feel comfortable to be vulnerable and exposed to their writing. But yeah, if you have any reference that's good or any resources for sure, um, that is always good. And, you know, I like to always forget that. So how long did it actually take you to write the book? All right, interesting. I jumped in and out because I was afraid, girl. I was really afraid to write because part of me, you know, like, can I do it? Can I not do it? You know, so. Um, I will say overall, maybe like two, two years to really to tell myself, go ahead and do it. Um, I was encouraged by a group of ladies um, that I remember them and still connected to them from Atlanta. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I backed off. But overall, the long process was about um, two years. I think some of it mostly was mainly because I didn't want to visit that space. You know, I wasn't sure one to pick it up actually write about it, and they want to share it. And then it was when I got comfortable in my own skin to say, wait, my story could actually be a story that can probably uh, be another stepping stone for someone else. And that's when I was able to say, yeah, about two years. Okay, so you said that it's about, you said part of it is about Esther and the Bible? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so is it, so you're incorporating your stories along with Esther's? Like girl, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I love Esther. She's awesome. She rock. If you guys like Wonder Woman, she's Wonder Woman in the Bible. Check her out. Seriously. Because um, I love her because Esther, she was, um, I feel like I relate to her in some ways. She's like an orphan. I'm not an orphan biologically, but spiritually I was an orphan because I did not know exactly what was my place with God. I knew I loved God, but I was like, well, how do I express my, you know, like my assignment or who he wants me to be? And here she is. She didn't have her identity. She didn't know her identity. And then so from there, Esther, she has this, like, she has to go through this long process of this dark season. And then she becomes what? This 
queen. She had to save her nation. And I love it. And so what I did is I wrote the book in a way to the parts of Esther, of a woman, where you know how the Esther had to see the eyes of Esther, the way she had to walk. You know, she had to walk with grace. And she had a lot of hostility coming her way. I mean, come on, Mordecai, he was very shy. I mean, he was after them. I mean, not Mordecai, he became it. He was like coming after them. But she had Mordecai was in her corner because her uncle was saving her. He was speaking life into her. And I had the same thing, too. I had people that were speaking life into me. So if you go into the book, it's a short read, but it's a short story of a memoir of me. And then it's like a devotional that you can reflect and see how can you trust during those times when you're like, it seems unknown, but you need to know like what to do next. But all you have to do is just let go. Seriously, that is what the beauty of life is letting go. Because if you really trust and you think your goal, all of our goal is to go for something that's, you know, positive life, if you let it go, you're going to land somewhere great from your heart. Yeah. And I actually like the book of Esther because she actually stood out, you know, amongst all the other people and all the other women. And she was actually brave because her, uh, I, I guess what she believed in was completely different from the king and it was like really risky. Um, but Mordecai did talk her through it and motivated her to save her people. So I, I did like the story of Esther. So that's why I was wondering like how your life incorporated or how you, you know, how it was parallel to her or how you compared to her. Like, you know, 
we want to help everybody. You know what I'm saying? We want people to relate to us. We all different and everybody's going, you know, we're going to touch somebody in their individual lives. But again, it's going to be like, you know, well, what all do we put out there? You know, what can you talk about? Yeah, even if you are an open book, there's some left, some spaces of your life that you just aren't comfortable talking about, um, or allowing other people into. Um, and I, I'm with you, Mika, um, and also you, Regina. I feel like that, you know, I think sometimes people think, you know, when you have a platform, um, like a podcast or a book or things like that, like then it just kind of invites them to be in every sacred space of your life. And I do think that you should have boundaries. I do think that it's okay to tell people, you know what, look, I can tell you this part of my life, and we can talk about that part of my life, and, you know, preferably that helps you along your journey and it gets you wherever you are and encourages you. But I also have other parts of my life that are sacred for me um, that I don't share and that I should be okay with, that others should be okay with not sharing. Yeah, well, so. I just feel like everything isn't for everybody. So... Regardless if it's a public platform, if it's your best friend, if it's your spouse, if it's your kids, everybody don't need to know everything about you. Some things are between you and God or, or yourself, you know. So, yeah, I mean, people should be open. Yes, you know, we are we have exposed a lot of our lives, but it, it's okay if you don't know everything. It's okay if you don't put everything in the book. You know, I'm telling you, what, I'm telling you enough to help you or help a person that needs help. I'm telling you enough. Yeah, and I think guidance-wise, um, I mean, for me, I have not ever, like, anything that I put out there, I haven't felt bad about putting it out there, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like I've had the right direction in whatever was talked about or whatever was put out there, um, and I didn't feel bad about it afterwards. It's not like it's something that I couldn't, we can't replay or can't re-talk about or no one can ever go listen to and feel, you know, um, so I think that that's a good gauge, too, so... So, yeah, very true. Do you have, Regina, do you have plans on writing other books? Yeah, I do have plans to writing other books. When? I'm not quite sure, but hopefully soon. Um, but right now, I've been really focusing more on, like, the cyber shifts. I do, like, small groups of teaching. Uh, but I do. That's a good question. I am uh, planning on writing books for sure. And they'll be, like, like, inspirational Christian books, because I feel like that is, like, my niche. That's the area. So do you have any children? Oh. I don't have any. No, I don't. I'm not even married or anything of that sort, but no, no kids or anything like that. Nieces, nephews, any kind of like nieces or nephews? Actually, you know, my family, we're like a small family. My sisters and all of us, we're just like, I guess like independent women, but no, I don't have like any nieces or nephews, but I do have a lot of cousins. I really do. And um, I guess I can kind of count them like that, but I don't know. But I'm a big kid at heart, so I do play with them a lot, a whole lot. <laughs> well, the reason I was asking is I was going to say, how would your book affect them? But if you don't have kids, oh, and if you like, do your cousins, do you think your cousins have read your book or anything? Um, no, if they have, they haven't told me. But if they, uh, that's a good thing. That's why I'm glad you kind of brought that up, because, like, it's my family, they're reading it. I know it sounds weird. You want people to read your book, but then at the same time, it feels like you're like you're being exposed or you're vulnerable in ways that you're naked. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know. If I want to hear like what they think or what they want to say. But um, but I will say this: over COVID, um, a lot of like reflection deep down in me, I got some more healing. I think I'm more confident though, that I can take whatever because I used to kind of be like I can't take 
what you're saying, like it, but then it's something like, oh, and I was saying that for a minute, but now I feel like I can take it, but it can bounce back off. So I'm kind of glad you brought that up. So yeah, I've, I've grown in that sense, in that essence. So yeah. Yeah, that was my question that I kept, I kept trying to get out. It was just, what kind of feedback have you received off of your voice? And not just from okay. but just from people in general, like the women that you want to help, et cetera. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, surprisingly, I did get some pretty good feedback. Um, one lady, um, I don't, I won't want to give her name or anything, but she did tell me about like how she went through like domestic violence and things like that, and it really helped her in a lot of ways because she said she wanted to stop, um, like living actually. And I was like, whoa. And then she said, but the book actually brought life to her because that she had to visit those dark spaces of her heart to render it full more because God wasn't through with her story and she wanted to keep moving on. So that was one. Um, I had another person, like a young lady, she was talking about how the book actually helped her in ways to see that um, the life is always just about yourself. I said, okay, she got that, uh, that introspective that it's not about yourself, it's about others. Your life is given to be able to be a source for others and things like that. So, yeah, that's good. And it's always good actually to get, you know, feedback, you know, from the book, you know, good, bad, you know, however it comes. Because I'm actually, you know, I didn't know, you know, how the book was going to do, you know, again, we did a children's book. You know, I, I didn't know, especially because I don't know anyone who has actually discussed, you know, somebody being incarcerated, you know, like incarcerated parent, you know, so I'm like, I didn't know how that was going to be, but I actually got a lot of good feedback, you know, which makes you feel good. You know, when you get those actual, you know, people, you know, text or call or inbox, you know, and kind of let you know their story, like a lot of people opened up and it was like really surprising, you know, to tell you their stories. I was just like, oh, wow. You know, but it, it actually made me feel really good. So we got a lot of good feedback. So it, it does. I mean, it encourages me to actually want to do like another book or kind of figure out some kind of way to kind of make it a series and kind of discuss, you know, where I can keep going. Because it, even kids, you know, it, it was good. You know, so when you do get good feedback, it definitely, it helped. It definitely is an encouragement. That's what you mean. Okay. That's really good. So, uh, so are you trying to put your books in like Christian bookstores, places like that? Is that more of like your focus? Yes, so yeah, I guess you would say more of that. Um, well, because it was actually more of my audience. Um, Christian inspired for sure. It's um, but also I know this too. I'll go ahead and share this as well. And I know also there would be some social justice um, books too that I would probably would go in that spectrum as well. So if I know that it's the main focus right now with Christian. So like I said, I see parts and pieces of it. But yeah, yeah. That would probably be the mostly of the my main audience there for that. Okay. So, so if you're doing the devotional classes, um you yes. just wrote a book. Is there anything else um that you're working on or doing at this time? I know that is my main focus right now. I'm working on that and then just gonna see what happens one step at a time. Yeah. So where do you see yourself like in five years from now? Five years from now, wow, that is like far, but yet not so far. Um, hopefully, um, five years from now, I am actually um, fulfilling why I'm here. Um, the writing ministry will definitely be um, expanding. Um, I see myself hopefully, I see myself traveling actually, traveling in a way that the discipleship, because the discipleship is supposed to be like a movement 
sort of thing. So I won't be stationary just in Memphis, but it'll be a way that is connected with women of all types, and specific, sorry, specifically for like the African American women, um, in a way that is empowering. It's also allowing them to open up the like, for instance, like you have a lot of things that like African American women, we have a lot of things that we have to break through, but the responsive community, which is called a responsive soul community, is where you're able to open up your soul and respond to what you are meant to do, your voice. And it's going to be like a community where women are using their different voices. They're encouraging others. They're walking their purpose with God in mind, in their families, in their careers, and as a whole. So I definitely see that. Um, and I'm excited to see how this is going to happen in five years. But yeah. Okay. So with COVID, um, so, so when did you, so you said you took two years to wrote the, write the book. When did you actually release the book? Well, that's the thing. Plus, okay, so it's been very crazy. So, plus, been released in April because of COVID. The situation, a lot of things happened, and the publishers they have to switch over, and so they pushed it back to like to the end of like this fall, not during the new year, but at the end of that December, which was for 2020, and and so that's what happened. It was, it was sketchy. So I was like, ah, so that's what happened. So it got released in December 2020. Yeah. Um, did you find yourself having to be a little more creative? I mean, <laughs> like with your plan, your strategy of how you want to release it, what you were going to do to promote it, things like that, because I'm sure you already had a plan. If you were releasing in April, I mean, COVID hit March. You probably had a plan already written out how you wanted to do so. How did that impact your plan to actually get your book released? Oh, I feel a lot. You have to be flexible. So that means that like I said, a lot of people was quarantined, so you have to figure out how to do it, which was kind of crazy, but you have to, like, go more virtual or, you know, use contacts in ways that you can, you know, reach out to book clubs or things of that sort, but it, it definitely changed. Like I said, it was definitely something that did a, like, well, a different change of the shelf for the plan. Yeah. So did you find yourself, like, networking a little bit more, like, reaching out probably more than you would have naturally um, had COVID not occurred? I guess I would say that. Um, I would say probably a little bit more than I would probably um, would have uh, naturally would have done it first. I would say initially, but eventually I would probably would have go ahead and network a little bit more. Um, but um, yeah, I would say I would have to because I had to be very creative um, doing this space that we're in right now with COVID. So yeah. So you okay? So this book is about Esther. Who else in the Bible that you want to write about? Who that you feel like will inspire well, others? Uh, well, you know, I know everybody like Paul. I mean, yeah, most of the book is written by Paul, but I would want to write about maybe David because I love the Psalms. I, I love going into that section, and I see a lot of ways that you can break it up and a lot of different forms that can relate to not just women. It can also relate to men. Um, in a different way, in a different capacity. So I would definitely probably visit that sometime. I'm not sure when, but yeah, for sure. But it's so many, like so much you can pull out. You can pull out virtues. You can pull out so much out of the Bible. So yeah, but I'm kind of like geeky when it comes to the Bible. I really love it. I really do. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people write about um, Ruth and Boaz a lot. I see a lot of books on that. Um, yeah. Yeah, like the other characters of the Bible you'll be interested in. Well, you know what, Deborah would be a good one. She was um, a judge, and she had to fight and to bring the nation, too, in a different way. 
um, to bring the man to their senses, which is a lot of times what a woman got to do, bring a man to their senses, and uh, maybe Deborah. She'd probably be another bad to visit another one. It would probably be Deborah. It was a uh, very unique piece of her story. That was very important. So, yeah. When you talk about Deborah, that's almost kind of, um, that speaks to, like, kind of where we're at now, like, in yeah. society. Um, so Deborah could, De- her story could definitely apply, like, as to where we, where we are and, like, what we're dealing with and then being in the midst of what we have going on currently. So, um, so where can people get your book currently? All right, so currently right now, uh, you can get my book at Amazon. And then, uh, and also, if you want, you can check my site out, which is www.reginamerican.com. But right now, it's at Amazon. Yeah. And tell us the name of the book again. It's called Render for More. And it's like trusting, doing uncertainty. So it's Render for More. You just type that in, and then it should take you straight to the book. Okay, so Render for More. Okay. And it's on Amazon. So have yes. you gone into any bookstores or did any, like, book signings or anything no, like that? No, I haven't, unfortunately, no. But maybe, like, once this is over, perhaps. But if not, it's just what it is. Like I said, um, I, I just have to, you just have to process it for what it is. This is something we couldn't plan, you know, just right. Yeah. I wonder, like, if you could do, like, book signings outside. I mean, I know, like, you know, typically people do book signings like in the Barnes and Noble store, but maybe like set up a tent outside of the Barnes and Noble store and kind of do book store, book signings or something like that. That would probably be a little more, or like just local bookstores, because um, we have a couple of like black owned business or black owned bookstores here that could utilize that kind of like exposure, where right? like you know you have an artist, an author who comes and does a book signing. But it's just outside. That would be COVID friendly, especially with the spring and summer coming up and things like yeah. that. That would probably be kind of nice. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking more of, like local bookstores. You know, I don't know if y'all have um, a lot of black owned bookstores there, but I mean that would be something interesting to see. So that's why I was asking about it. Do you guys actually have a black owned bookstore? Actually, we have. I think we have about two, but now we just have one. So I could definitely extend over there um, to do that. But I also was thinking about the churches because I know, like, here in Memphis, a lot of time our churches have, like, um, it's not like a bookstore, but they do a lot of, like, book linking lunching. They do a lot of that. So I was going to wait and aim towards that once we get over this little height and see things that we're going through with COVID. And everyone is kind of expecting right after March. And I'm hoping, guys, right after March, I then go from there. And, yeah. I like, do, like, a book signing, like a picnic, maybe like a book club picnic. I mean, that would allow people to kind of social distance. People can lay out their own language, stay on yours, and then we just have like a mic and a speakerphone kind of thing. I don't know. I always think like different ways you can try to do stuff. I'm an outdoorsy person, and so like as the summer comes along and the spring comes along, I'm just hoping everybody, you know, that we don't get stuck in the house again. (laughs) That everybody gets really creative with outside. (laughs) And um, wants to do some things outside so that I can have a reason to come outside. Because I didn't like being stuck inside last year. So That's a very good idea, Capri. Seriously, yeah. That is a good idea. Um, So where can they follow you are you on facebook as well as 
Well, actually, I do mostly, mostly them on um, Instagram, so you do at Regina Lurk, that's my handle. But I do have, like, the responsive soul, it's uh, at responsive soul. But mostly, if you just come from, if you go to my site, actually, you'll get more for responsive soul. So I would just go to www.reginamerdick.com. Okay. All right. Dante, since you already have the books out, why don't you show Shonda's book? So, in case anybody wanted, I'll tell about my book. But since we have it, why don't you show it? So I'll I'll post your book on um on my page. But this is um her name is Kashonda Hudson, and she wrote a book like a manifest journal. Kashonda. Yes. So it's actually pretty cool. You just you know write out different things. Um, and then this book right here is actually. Is, uh, that's so, cool. so that's gonna be my book. So okay. and it's on Amazon. So you guys can order the book if you still have not ordered the book. It is a late a letter from the ladybug, and it is co-authored by me and my daughter Jaden. So again, if guys, if you are out of the loop and don't listen to the podcast and don't know what it's about, and there, yeah, it's like me and my baby. So. It's basically just about my daughter and her journey as far as her, her father being incarcerated. So we just kind of did a children's book. Yeah. Um, and then if you go to our pages, um, we also have the information up on our pages for Mika's book. Um, I have tagged Regina um, more than on the Instagram page. Um, so if you guys want to um, get on and get her book as well, she's tagged. And we will add the manifest um ish book on there as well so that we have you guys are able to um, link to Shonda and get her information as well if you are interested in any of the books that we showed today um Regina thank you so very much for reaching out to us thank you for being a guest today we appreciate you um do you have an email address or anything contact information you'd like to give um sure well if you want to have an email you can contact it's at um the responsive soul um at gmail.com. That's I spell it out or yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, okay. Um T H E R E S E O N S I V E and then soul S O U L at gmail.com. And if you want to contact me, um I would love to just like whatever you just want to talk or you want like a like oh I need some type of advice. I I'm totally open to that or if you just want to like her and that's another thing too a lot of my resources too are free so if you need that um just a starting place of just trying to find yourself um your spirituality i, I have that open door access for you okay. okay so when you were a teacher did you teach small kids i did well you know i actually did all levels even the special like specialties but um yeah i did have the small kids i wasn't great with the first graders which a lot of them were shocked. They were like, you say like you would. They were like little <laughs> In a bad way, but they were just like too many. I don't know. But, um, yeah, uh, my babies, though, even though they were giants, taller than me, but my babies were the fifth graders. I loved them. They were they were crazy bunch. I loved them so much. But I've got to talk all levels, ninth grade, tenth grade. Um, that was in a different uh, spectrum. I also got to talk fourth grade and stuff like that but yeah it was it was fun it was definitely and i gave you a round of applause because i'm giving anybody that's teachers because you you know it's covid you know parents are at home with their kids having to teach their kids so i just my hat goes off to any teacher that is dealing with multiple kids like we're actually dealing with our own 
So y'all are not even dealing with y'all. Y'all dealing with our kids, you know? So to do that day in, day out, like my hat goes off. I appreciate teachers. I have a, a greater appreciation for teachers. Now. Exactly right now. <laughs> It's like a job. It really is. It is um, like a job that never ends. It really doesn't. Even when I look back, because like what I'm doing now, I mean, it's difficult, but it's not like how I was for teaching. It is like it never ends. It's like, whoa, you know, it goes into your weekend and it goes into that. Even if you are planning and organized. Yeah, yeah. My heart goes out, too, to the teachers, because sometimes I get, like, calls. I'm like, oh, it, it is something. It's really taxing. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned first graders because my, my daughter, she works with uh, first graders, and she texted me yesterday and said she was about to put her to the notice in there. Oh, oh, my gosh, I've been there. Oh, my gosh, I've been there. I she drove down the street and just screamed out the window sometimes. She said, this kid's about to make me put my two weeks. <laughs> two weeks notice in there. It's great birth control, though. It'll keep you from having kids. If you teach kids, be around kids like that, it'll just definitely keep you from having them. So, again, Regina, thank you for joining us. We truly appreciate you. Um, And you guys, we're out.